Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And we're live. Miles, why did you like it so much? Why did you like it so much? Because it was my first gasp of air. The first breath of air. So you see one of these books behind me. (laughs) I've got a few books behind me. I've been reading uh, Epictetus uh, recently, and I've been really getting into this concept of the Socratic method. I studied it years ago, but it has been fascinating to dive back in and think through critical thinking and Socrates. And I'm sure you've read this, right? You've read a million books in your day, haven't you? Yes, I've read a million books. Thank you. Yeah. Um, critical thinking. I it's it's very, very rare thing in our day and age. And one of the things I find fascinating is that when you start to question people, not to question them to, you know, put doubt in their mind or to pose a question to make a point, but truly question them. Most people, because they live in maybe a passive aggressive way, start to think that what you're doing is you're making a statement when you have a question. In fact, I asked somebody a question the other day and they said, ah, you made a, you make a good point. I said, no, I'm actually asking you a question. I'm not making a point. I'm curious what your perspective is. Do you run into that, Miles? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Why do you think but, that is? What is going on there? Because in in order for you to ask a question, you, you have to be really, and, and this is a really fluid concept, you have to be really intelligent enough to ask great questions. That's why they always talk about asking great questions is the result sure. yeah. of understanding something so thoroughly. But just because you, and this is me being empathetic to the people who respond the way you just said, because people respond that way, like you make a good point, is your question raises a good point in their heads that they've never considered. So they say, mm. you make a yeah. great point. Yeah. I don't so disagree. They don't, so they don't have an answer for it. And it means, and, and this is where... This is very important. And this is where you and I sometimes talk about politicians. One of the reasons why I feel bad for politicians is because for some mysterious reason, they always have to be in the know. Like they always have to pretend They've always that they be know right. something. You never see politicians right. stopping and saying, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. Let me think. Let about me look at more. what the data says. Yeah, let me right. right. Let me get back to you. So they always have to have an answer. And that's why 99% of them come off as bullshit artists. Whereas if you ask a really important question to somebody and they've never considered it, they're going to say, that's a good point. And I've asked people questions all the time and they've said that. And to me, it just means they're going to go look it up and see or inquire more about where the question came from. Do you think that teaching yeah. somebody how to be a critical thinker as opposed to somebody who's like more black and white can be taught? Or do you think it's pretty much a byproduct of how we're raised? 
because you guys think why you like to discuss things and you're not just like cut off to someone disagreeing with you. I noticed that about myself. Like my favorite people love to just discuss things and almost debate things just for fun. And that's how I am. I feel like drawn to people that are like that. But then I also know like my friends that are very much like just kind of black and white and shut off. I feel like that one or the other. Yeah. I grew up homeschooled. So I was constantly being encouraged to discover why and for me to like figure it out on my own. And I think that that's yep. been like a common theme that I've seen with, you know, other people. Right. And, and I, I think we can't, one of the things, and, and I, again, I'll, I'll reiterate this, is I've grown really sympathetic or understanding that you know, if, if you've never been taught anything, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then you turn into an adult and you think you have to know, which can actually make you end up sounding like an asshole, but you don't know. And critical thinking is a tool. So if you've never been taught to critically think or at least be humble when you are in the face of a critical thinker, and this goes back to the economics that Steve and I were talking about last week. He knows a lot more about economics than I do. And I, I wanted to fight it. And then I relaxed my ego and my ego was like, you don't know shit about this. Shut the fuck up and let Steve talk and learn something. <laughs> if you're going to fight Steve. Well, but this is a common tools. theme, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is, but that's a common thing. And I think to your question, Molly, I, I, obviously it's a skill set like anything else. I think we're taught a certain way early in life, but we can also learn that skill set. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was walking out of the gym and I saw a really fascinating situation that I thought, man, I can relate to that. This mom and uh, her kid were walking out and mom was talking about good food and bad food. She was talking about, hey, here's, uh, this is what good food is. This is a good choice in life. This is a bad choice. Now, at that base level, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to teach somebody in basic concept. But if we don't teach kids and if we don't challenge ourselves to go beyond that basic Uh, construct of life of this dichotomistic view of one or the other, then what happens is we really never expand our vocabulary. When we never expand our vocabulary, emotional intelligence doesn't get any breadth or any depth whatsoever. And we have a really hard time critically thinking. I think to what Miles is saying that it's, we can empathize, right? I think we've all been in that situation where we have a very fixed mindset on something and we fail to exercise the humility to say, hey, what if I'm wrong? And I think that's part of why I've been so fascinated with Socrates lately, because his life, I mean, he died for this. He was they they literally put him out there and said, okay, renounce this idea of walking around and asking people questions and to quote unquote, get to the truth. And if you stop doing that, we won't kill you. He said, no, kill me. And so they did. And, uh, you know, he's considered the father of stoicism uh, because he was a guy that would go out there and ask questions and drive this concept of critical thinking. Um, I got to say, I think we need a lot more of this in our society, but I do think it is something that's learned. And I think it's something that we're going to talk a lot about tonight, this concept of critical thinking, because we're really fortunate to have another critical thinker on the podcast. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast. Joining us from Oberlin, Ohio, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank you very, very much, Steve Cutler. 
good to see you again. And in the mountains, what's that? No. Oh, that's it. All right. Shaking back and forth. You're feeling good. Basking in what you said about me. (laughs) (laughs) And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is Molly Van Marth. Molly, or if you find her on Instagram, it's Molly Makes Muscle. Uh, Molly is an executive fitness coach and a high ROI nutrition expert. Boy, I love that definition. And it's short, it's sweet, but what a really cool definition. So Molly, thanks for coming on the podcast with us tonight. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Excited. Yeah, we're so excited to... Yeah, we're excited to dive in with you. I think that uh, you've got a fascinating story that I'm really excited to get to. For our listeners, uh, I'm confident that they're going to walk away with at least a couple of evolution points in this conversation. Uh, because one, your your story is fascinating. When you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you're walking me through a little bit of your story, my jaw just dropped. And I thought, wow, the strength that you have to have gone through what you've gone through to get to where you are at right now. Uh, certainly inspirational and instructional for our listeners. But I also think that uh, a lot of our listeners are going to say, hey, I'm busy. I'm an executive. Um, I, I have a lot going on. And so how do I get the best results in the least amount of time? Let's start, though, with your story. Tell people how you became this fitness expert, because it didn't just happen overnight, right? <laughs> no, and it started almost the opposite of fitness and health. Um, if I can go way back, I grew up homeschooled. That was my, you know, in my, my childhood and my school years, I was homeschooled, which was great for me. Cause I was actually into art and music growing up. And I think one of the, one of my biggest traits was paying attention to detail. And so with mm. art and with music, that was a strength. And that was a a positive thing because I did really detailed, very realistic artwork. And then with music, it made me a a technically good piano player, you know? Um, But I think I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but you know, when you have like a trait, there's usually two sides to the same coin. And so again, growing up, that was a great thing to be um, just a, a high achiever, really driven and sort of a perfectionist. And then again, paying a lot of attention to detail. Um, And throughout my childhood, that was fine. That was a good thing. Spent a lot of time outside, loved animals and bugs and outdoors and, you know, grew up a pretty happy kid. Um, And then high school hit and I wanted to try public school for the first time. And my parents said, all right, fine, you can go to public school. And it was just the shift from like, all right, the homeschool world to public high school. And as a teenager, I was like, I want to look really good. And I wasn't in bad shape, but I had never done anything like fitness and health related. So I, I initially had this shift of wanting to get into better shape. That's how it started. Mm. And so, you know, I started essentially started restricting my food and started working out and a little bit became a lot and just became quickly very obsessive with weight with over exercising under eating um yeah and and you guys were talking about critical thinking what's dangerous with perfectionists and what i come across a lot actually in the in the world of executives and business owners and really driven high achieving people black and white thinking is very common and if you're a perfectionist, it's very, very easy yep. to go extreme. And 
again, it's such a strength, right? I think a lot of people who achieve great things and do great things and build great businesses and become, you know, great leaders struggle a lot with black and white thinking and being perfectionist. Um, so that I think was the biggest thing that kind of pushed me into this slippery slope of having eating disorders. And for me, it was very dangerous. I mean, I was down to 83 pounds, you know, at, wow. as an adult, um, he was hospitalized twice, had bulimia and anorexia. And when I tell you, like I was stuck, I'm a, again, very stubborn person. And my parents took me to doctors. I saw therapists. I was in support groups. I was in um, outpatient stuff. Like they tried everything, but ultimately like I was fixated on the wrong goal and had a very unhealthy method of staying there. So, so you're 80, say that again, you were 85 pounds, three pounds. And that probably 83 was three pounds. I mean, who, who knows? It could have even been worse than that. Yeah. How, how tall are you? Five, two. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. I mean, this is extremely unhealthy weight. So you probably had the common, what, uh, what they call the female triad, right? Uh, the over-exercising, the under-eating or some sort of disordered eating, amenorrhea. So, uh, menstruation stops. That's, that's the female athlete triad that is just so unhealthy, so dangerous, right? I had, I remember I had, I mean, yeah, I had rug burns on my back because I was so thin. I would do crunches on my carpet and it would literally like, yeah, I was just bone. And it's crazy. Very, too very common. Yeah. It's really eating disorders. And here's the crazy thing. Like restricting food is just as it's the same as overeaters like you it's and especially mm. you know, like it's very addictive and people don't know how to balance hunger and fullness levels and when you're deep into an eating disorder again whether you're extremely underweight or extremely overweight you have no control like part of it gives mm -hmm. you control because it's like a it's almost like a coping mechanism to like be in control and to to have that control but like eventually it controls you and um i think that was for me becoming the coach that I am now, I am grateful that I went through that experience because I can empathize when people come to me going like, I do not know how to control my eating. And I don't, and on top of that, mm -hmm. I don't know how to have a healthy relationship with food. Um, can I, can I ask for women, a question? Yeah. Just real, I mean, just real fast, because sometimes when we've come across people who have talked about this, um, they talk about it in a general kind of way. Could you take us through a day like you wake up and what what are you thinking? What are you feeling like for just one day? What what's going on with you in terms of specifics of how you feel? What when do you eat, not eat? How how do you go about one day emotionally? Can you paint that picture for us? I mean, I remember I remember it first of all, it completely different totally different phases. There was, for me, like it was restricting food first and then bulimia set in, which is eating food and purging, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I remember like initially when I was going to school, it was, I would have coffee in the morning, pretty much like an apple for lunch. And then I would run, I would run my, come home, run miles. And then I also remember like avoiding dinners constantly, like dodging social. Wow. Yeah. I was in high school, you know, and that's when you should be going out and doing stuff with your friends. So 
Um, but that's an important behavior to talk about. And a lot of people that don't understand what we're talking about, they see when they hear eating disorder, they think it's a food thing. It's not a food thing, right? This right. is a, it's a, a, a mental illness. It's a psychological problem, right? I think it's, so, I think it's both actually. And this is what I find fascinating. Sure. And here's the other thing for women, it's, different but like men have unhealthy eating behaviors too women it's more like typically no doubt. no doubt but guys like still struggle with and this is what i deal with a lot i would say probably two-thirds of the people i coach are men because executives and business owners are often guys that's just how it is right. <laughs> um <laughs> and so yeah so for guys but also like stress eating boredom eating just overall like not yep. being touched yep. with when you're eating, why you're eating, why you can't control how much you're eating, why eating on vacation is harder to do or, you know, while traveling is harder to do at your house. Some people don't do well at their house, you know? And so, yes, a lot of it is mental, but I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too much with my story, but part of actually me coming out of just eating orders and getting in control of like, just feeling at peace with choosing what I eat and feeling like I could control my hunger fullness levels was actually learning about the makeup of food and protein in particular. Because here's the other thing. I think, yes, part of it is emotional. And there are definitely like emotional triggers that can create, you know, again, boredom eating, stress eating, whatever for people. Yep. yep. What people don't realize is that hunger and cravings is controlled by hormones. And so sometimes yep. people can right. get cycles of eating that are perpetuating poor eating habits. Um, and so for example, like if you're craving sweets and like really high carb stuff, it's not that carbs are bad and yeah, maybe, maybe emotions are part of it, but probably more likely than the emotions you are creating big sugar spikes and, and eating lots of food. And then you have this like coming down from it and like this crash and that mm. crash creates just like any other drug, just like caffeine, just like hard drugs, any, any kind of hit of anything creates a coming down effect. And so people don't realize too, that they are setting themselves up for cravings, for overeating episodes, for binging episodes, right? right. Emotion, not that's really hard. No one can willpower their way. When you're in a constant cycle of like highs and, and lows, like you're going to hit those walls. And so I think yep. it's emotional and you've got to, you got to be able to talk about that with people, but like also Sometimes I'm like, let's, let's physically set you guys up to have steady hunger and to be in control of your cravings. Then we'll see how emotional your eating actually is because people don't realize like healthy foods are often not foods that are actually managing your hunger um, or keeping your energy levels stable. So good luck being in control of your eating. If you're eating foods that are like throwing you into these big highs and big lows, does that make sense? Yeah. And I are, think that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, last absolutely. Last Lots thought about that topic. It wasn't, and this was big for me, and this is a huge part of what I teach. I call it a, a positive focus protocol. With, with eating that is not um, balanced and not healthy, it's really difficult to correct poor eating behaviors by telling people, don't eat that. Don't eat those foods. Yeah. Avoid yeah. sweets, yep. avoid carbs. Because you know what? Humans are, we are drawn towards what we think about. It's like meditation. Like, do you meditate on things that you don't want? No, you meditate on like what you want. Keep your eye on the ball. Like you're going to hit the ball if you're looking at the ball. You know what I mean? So I think it's really yep. messed up. A lot of diets in general are really messed up and set up 
set people up to fail because you're supposed to be focused on what you're not supposed to eat. And that's what I realized is I started learning about the science of food and uh, Jillian Michaels, the biggest loser. Did you guys watch the biggest loser? Yeah. Yeah, a couple episodes back in the day. Yep. Yeah. She wrote a book called master your metabolism. And I probably read a lot of books, but I remember like going into my twenties, getting out of eating disorders. I remember reading the book and reading about how protein like stabilizes your hunger and helps build lean muscle. And I was like, that sounds cool. Like that, that makes (laughs) sense to me. And that's when I started learning about like different foods have different effects on our hunger and fullness levels. And yeah, it's a completely different feeling. And that's one of the, the first things that I look at is I look, I, I do a nutrition audit with any new client I take on to see what's causing their cravings, what's causing their spikes or dips in energy, what's causing their hunger at weird times during the day, why they're overeating at night, you know? Um, and I tell them what to focus on in order to eliminate the big highs and the big lows. Cause then they're focusing on what they should be eating more of that is automatically balancing out their hunger hormones. And it's a lot easier to be in control of your food when you're keeping things balanced by focusing on the right stuff. It's a different wow. mindset shift. Yeah, yeah, you think about the psychology, right? Psychology of a lot of what you're talking about. Psychology really just studying the behavior. And when you think about all of these different aspects, uh, the lifestyle piece, it's what are your behaviors that are leading to this uh, activity? You mentioned hormones before. If you go to bed at the same time, you get up at the same time, that's the basics of hormonal regulations. Because what people don't understand is if your sleep is off, then your leptin and ghrelin, your hunger and satiety hormones are going to be off if you're not sleeping on a regular basis. I want to go back to a couple of points that you made. Um, Molly, you're talking about this idea of focusing on what you do want rather than what you don't want. I mean, if I told people, don't think about a pink elephant with purple polka dots, what are they going to think about? They're going to think about the pink elephant with purple polka dots, right? So it's the same thing with food. If you focus on something that you want and you focus on what's nutrient dense and what's going to help you to move or achieve your goals, you're going to get it, right? But you referenced earlier that you were avoiding social interactions when you were in the midst of your eating disorder. And this is something that I found with clients that I had in the past that were struggling with eating disorders. Um, There's an avoidance and there's a hiding factor. Tell us what that looks like or looked like for you. Uh, Aside from just avoiding these social interactions, what else was happening? What, what were you hiding or what were you running or, hide, or, or, or avoiding? I mean, the whole thing was just like extremely isolating. Um, and you know, I think the other thing too, that, that I felt throughout that time. And one of the things that helped me get out of it ultimately was not feeling understood. And mm. I remember it, like I felt very alone uh, overall. Um, and one of the things that was so frustrating and one of the things that kept me stuck and not recovering for a long time was, for example, I had this nutritionist that I had to go to. Again, I was a teenager. So I was in the you know care of my parents and they were doing everything they possibly could to get help for me. And yeah. there was a nutritionist that I saw regularly And she was really out of shape. I mean, unhealthy, like overweight, out of shape. And here's this nutritionist telling me, like, you you have to eat these foods. And to me, that felt like telling me to be average. Because I'm over here with this, like, aggressive perfectionist mindset. And throughout my eating disorders, the goal was to be really skinny. That was, like, my goal. 
And then I've got this person over here telling me like to eat these foods. And I'm, I'm looking at her going like, you don't understand my personality at all. And B, like I, A, I don't feel understood. And B, I don't want to be you. I don't look up to you. I don't really respect you. And it's hard for me to take advice from someone that I don't respect or want to be like. And I remember that right. going through that process. And then on the flip side, also met this other woman who I really admired and I think is still to this day a huge part of what got me out of eating disorders. Um, she had a faith-based support group and A, she gave me really tough love and was extremely direct. Like, it was like, you got to get your shit together. <laughs> this is, this is not just going to ruin your life, but it's going to end your life. And you've, you've got to do something. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that from her. And then the other thing was that she looked great. She just was, was fit, healthy. And I thought she was beautiful and smart. And I was like, all right, I, and she had been through eating disorders and that's what made her start the eating disorder support group that she had. And so, so I you, was could, like, you could identify with her. Yeah. I was like, I can, I can shift my focus to that. Um, and I, I'm willing to like take advice from this person because I respect them and I look up to them and they've been through it. And so I think for me also just like becoming the kind of coach that I am today, that was a huge thing that I was like, you know, if I'm going to advise on this, I'm going to advise on stuff that I've been through personally and come out the other side of, and I'm going to, I'm going to walk the talk, you know? Um, yeah. Essentially, I'm it's important to do that, now. right? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to show, I mean, your business card is what you, what you show and how you live. Um, it, it, it's fascinating to me how much of those things that you mentioned isolation. And I think when you have an eating disorder, um, you do isolate yourself. In fact, I was having a conversation recently with somebody and uh, we were discussing her eating disorder and it all started with this concept of isolation and this concept of feeling on an island and alone. And then the deeper she went into the eating disorder, uh, the more alone she became and it would isolate herself from family and friends and hide away and uh, found ways to try and make it look like that she was eating, but she really wasn't. Uh, I think that's a really common theme. And so talk about how did you start to make those connections? I know you found a person that you were able to connect with, but from there, what were, what, what were the connecting points that helped you to make those next steps of getting out of that disordered eating? I think, and this is probably for a lot of people when they finally like, maybe they don't know how to change, but they decide like it's time for a change. I had no life. Like I, I, I did, like I had awesome friends and family friends that supported me through it. So I like, I had support, but I didn't really, it wasn't really doing what I wanted to be doing. Um, so yeah. ultimately I think, I think just enough time spent in a place you don't want to be in. And that's when I end up working with people, typically that's where they're at too, where they're going like, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm just done. And I'm ready to figure out how to move into a healthier phase of life. Um, but yeah, I mean, the two things was A, having somebody that I respected and looked up to, and then B, reading and understanding food. Because again, like the overweight nutritionist shoving food in my face, just telling me to just eat it and like look average. Again, that's what it felt like I was being told to do. I was like, I don't want to look average. I don't want to be average. Like everything I do is I try to do it to the best and I try to do it as perfect as I possibly can. And you're telling me to look like you and like, I won't do it. Um, and so mm. I think part of it was just being sick of that. And then honestly, the, the world of bodybuilding, probably when like Instagram started to become more popular and honestly, it's kind of something that I haven't really thought about, but I think for me, shifting my focus from trying to be really skinny to the fitness world and like 
really admiring like lean muscle and the the world of bodybuilding and and women that were into fitness and I thought they looked great. I was like, that's, I can get on board with that. So again, and it's, you know, when you're working with people who are really driven people, it's a, it's a theme that I work with all the time. You can't take somebody who's really driven, uh, obsessive, you know, and, and does everything they can to like, you know, 110%, you can't tell that person to just be average, but you can shift their focus to something unhealthy from something unhealthy to something healthier. Right. Well, something that fits their paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, and also like my, as a kid, I don't know, part, part of it was probably just coming back to who I am, which is I'm, I'm a strong, I was always a strong kid, you know, I was pretty strong, pretty independent, a lot of energy. And so like just a, a fit focus makes more sense for me. And so I think once I started to shift my focus, that transition felt really good. And on top of it, it was like, you know, I, I could have a life, you know, isn't it funny how when we when we try to find the root of the problem and then we figure out, okay, where am I going to go from here? Oftentimes it just takes us in this circuitous path where we come back to who we are, but it's not who we were pretending to be, but it's actually who we are. And we say, you know what, this is who I am. And this path that I want to go on, this path of growth, this path of evolution, it's truly what's inside of me. And I think that that's what we find when we peel the onion layers back. Uh, When we start to pull away from the egotistical, I should be this, or I want to be that, you come back to the heart of things and man, that path feels amazing because it's tapping into the heart and now you're making the steps to go in that right direction. So Molly, you found that this was more in line with who you were. You decided that you wanted to become strong, not just small. You wanted to be fit, not just lean. And so you started eating more. You started working out. You started lifting weights. Where did you go from there? I would like to say like, that's when I got into the greatest shape of my life, but that's not what happened at all. Um, I transitioned, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, like just wait, <laughs> I transitioned out of, out of eating disorders. So I would say like turning 20, I was officially like, I was able to eat normal food. Um, I had, again, started lifting weights. I, I got in the gym, honestly, for the first time before I would work out like at home and I would run a lot. So I started lifting weights mm. for the first time. And that was overall just a very positive lifestyle shift for me, eating more food, lifting weights. However, I lifted, began lifting like really, really heavy. And overall, even though it wasn't like obsessive, like the way that I was running before when I had eating disorders, looking back at it, I was working out too much, definitely doing mm. too much. Um, and also, even though it wasn't restricted eating, I was trying, I was really focusing on like eating clean. So still wasn't like enjoying a whole lot of treats. Um, didn't really enjoy yeah. carbs. Like it was, it was still pretty, pretty simple, clean eating is what I would call it. And again, just working out way too much. Um, and now again, compared to eating disorders, much healthier lifestyle. I was, uh, yeah, for sure. became a healthy weight, but then actually I have been 20 to 25 pounds heavier than I am today. And again, on someone who is five, two, mm. that's a lot. So I built a lot of muscle, but also felt like fluffy. So hit a point in my early twenties mm. where I was like, Hmm, 
you know, there, this is great. I enjoy the strength. I love the feel of lifting weights and I feel a lot more confident and a lot stronger, but like, didn't know how to get the chiseled look. And I still loved like the lean tone. What I hear from my clients all the time is like, they're like, I want to tone. How do I tone? How do I create nice muscle definition where I have like defined muscles, but I'm not bulky. And I felt bulky. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting is I was working out a lot. And so part of the, the next riddle that I had to solve was like, okay, I'm working out a lot. I'm lifting really heavy. I'm eating really clean. Like there's something, something missing here. Um, and, and then at that point I started to learn really, really dive deep on food and learn that it wasn't about like, yes and no foods going back to what you were saying earlier. It wasn't about eating perfectly clean. And with workouts, it wasn't about working out every single day as hard as you possibly can. I learned that there was a science to creating lean muscle. Like there is an equation mm -hmm. for the, I call them personal nutrition targets with my clients. I can look at them, look at what they're eating, and I can give them actual targets that's like a formula for building lean muscle and losing body fat. Um, and it, it is, it is. I, so I've got to stop you right there for a second. I love that. I'm laughing and I'm holding back my laughing because I had this conversation with somebody the other day. They, they, they came to me and said, Hey, what do you think about, uh, what's your opinion on? And I said, well, I don't actually have an opinion, but I can teach you the science behind it and health and fitness because of the, uh, maybe even more so because of the Instagram page, but I think it's been here all along. People have opinions and don't lean into the science, but there is a science. There's a science behind nutrition. There's a science behind strength training. Uh, again, it's a science, which means that we're constantly learning and testing things, but opinions are totally different. You would never go to the doctor and say, Hey doctor, um, would you look inside my mouth? Oh yeah. You have tonsillitis. Is that your opinion? No, right. <laughs> dummy, you have tonsillitis yes. or you need a root canal because you haven't been brushing your teeth and you have an infected, uh, <laughs> you have infected teeth, right? But yeah. in our space, health and fitness, what's your opinion is asked more often. And I love what you're talking about, that there is a science. So with your clients now, you're using these personal, what do you call them? Personal nutrition targets? Nutrition targets. Yeah. And it's just looking for, yeah. I mean, honestly, like if we can be real, Food is made up of carbs, fats, protein, and then the overall, you know, how much energy food contains is calories. That's pretty yeah. much what you're dealing with. There, there are micro pretty basic, and you can get. And what's cool, what's really cool too, is that like because I work with people one on one, and it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's not some mass produced thing. It's it's honestly customized to them every person is going to have a diet that is unique in some way. And that's really fun to be able to not just give them like a diet that works, but give them one that's optimized and actually feels really good for them and works well with their lifestyle. But going back to the simple like equation of like, all right, what, what are we talking about doing? Do you want to put on muscle? Then there is an, there is a right and wrong way to do that. It's not a black and white foods list, but there are targets that you're going to have to hit. Otherwise your body doesn't have the raw materials it needs to build lean muscle guys want to do it a lot right. or lose body fat. So like, I don't care if you're using, you know, keto or whole 30 or vegan or whatever, there are still, we, our bodies are built the way they're built. The answer is there. So why my thought is like, why teach anything else? Yeah. You can teach customized diets and you can, people can fine tune their diets. And if they don't like 
things, they can leave them out. That's fine. But you, you know, you can't create something out of nothing and there our bodies follow a science. And so, yeah, my thought is like, why not start there? So let's go back for just a second, because I want to hear a little bit more about your iterative growth. I, I oh, yeah. love how you're talking about that. You didn't just go from uh, disordered eating to now you're fit, but you went heavy on the strength training. You got to a point where you said, well, I'm close, but not there. What I yeah. love about this is that it's not, I mean, it shows a normal path, right? A normal path of evolution, a normal path of progression is where you achieve a certain goal. And then you look and say, oh, but there's more. And so then you have to dig a little bit deeper. You have to learn some new science. You have to learn some new skills, some new technology that you can then apply to get to the next stage or the next level. And this is what far too many people miss in overall growth, in overall uh, evolution in life, because they are just focused on, oh, I got to lose the five pounds. I got to lose the 10 pounds, right? And they're not thinking about where do I want to be 10 years from now, five years from now, right? When we think that way, we can go through this iterative growth. So you started to dig a little bit deeper and go from, what did you call it? Bulky down to a fluffy, more lean state? Like, yeah. Fluffy, so, fluffy. Okay. Well, yeah. I like that better. <laughs> and I was actually, another thing in my early twenties, and this was probably really positive for me too. That was the first time I walked into a gym and I actually started working at a gym, a high-end gym where, and this was kind of my introduction mm. to business owners and executives. There were a lot of professional athletes or ex-athletes that went there. So that was kind of like the crowd at this gym and a, it was just a positive environment for me. So it played a big, you know, big role in my recovery, just being around fitness centered people instead of isolated in this eating disorder, right? Like it was a positive environment. For yeah. Me. Um, yeah. Tribe makes a difference. I can talk, yeah, for sure. I can talk in a minute on what that did, like in my coaching, you know, what it did for me as a coach and what I saw in the gym that I wanted to do different as a fitness coach. But long story short, was working in a gym, again, lifting a lot of weights, bulky, fluffy, above the weight that I wanted to be at, but again, a lot healthier. And then really started digging deeper on nutrition. And again, not just like eating perfectly clean, but like, what is the equation for, and for me specifically, right? Because it's different for everybody. But how do I figure out what my personal nutrition targets are so that I can be lean and toned and also have a lot of energy and be healthy? Um, and so I started to learn about what those nutrition targets are and actually was able to loosen up a little bit with my diet. That doesn't mean I was eating junk 24 seven, but I remember that when I entered into this phase of like, you know, I'm gonna let myself enjoy like 20% junk like peanut M&Ms. That mm -hmm. is when I started eating peanut M&Ms. And to this day, those are a treat that I enjoy regularly. I had some earlier today. <laughs> so nice. I just remember, I remember learning about food and the behind the scenes of what's going on. And I was like, you know what, if these nutrition targets are a real thing, and this is really what it's about to create like a lean tone physique that is healthy and fit, then I should be able to work in some treats and I'm just going to do it as a test. I'm going to test this out. And sure enough, I started to tone up, feel better, look better. Everything went in a positive direction. Um, and so, yeah, that was in my early 20s. And right as that started to happen, I got pregnant. <laughs> so right <laughs> there you go. finally, you know, making some progress. Yeah, got pregnant. And so that was, that was its own journey. And actually had two babies back to back. My kids are 19 months apart. So wow. but what was interesting is that through first of all, had fit pregnancies. So like had a very actually 
positive experience overall, like with my body image, very positive lifted weights. I mean, I was lifting weights the day before I had my son, I was in the gym all the way through. Um, and I was learning throughout the entire process of having kids, you know, kind of through my, my mid twenties. Um, and so after I had my second baby quickly got back into shape because the whole time, even though I was pregnant, I was learning about not just how to work out really hard and eat really clean, but like how to be strategic about it. And so mm. it was after I had my second kid that I like saw abs for the first time and I was enjoying treats and I was working out. Mm. <laughs> week. I'm like, this that's is funny. wild. Never in a million years would I have yeah, thought that. Yeah. Not until then. So for me, it was very, um, and I had gosh, in between kids, I had thyroid problems, which was also like a struggle. Um, yeah. And so it was, it, it was a journey. So not until, you know, my, my later twenties, was I really able to enjoy flexible eating, enjoy a very balanced gym routine. I, I honestly, I lift weights about four to five times a week. Don't do a lot of cardio at all. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we should, awesome. we should, we should, we should, we should, we uh, should, we should lay on that moment for a while. Cause that was of all the things you've said to me, that was so pivotal. I saw abs while I was having my treats. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, too, so it's weird. Yeah. That is brilliant. That's, that's a culmination of like all the things you've said to get to this one point. I saw abs <laughs> and I had my treats. That's perfect. Yeah. Have your cake and eat it too. But yeah. there's, there's an emotional maturity there, right? I mean, you've now developed a much better relationship with food. You're not, yeah. I think that, I mean, if we back up just a second, you you said a while back about that for you and for your clients, that it's about developing a great relationship with food. And far too often, we don't even think about our relationship with food. Uh, we are too busy shoving stuff into our mouth without relating to it, without saying, okay, this food going into my body right now, how do I feel later? How do I feel tomorrow? How do I feel an hour from now? How do I feel two hours from now? And we have this... Uh, going back to what we said at the very beginning, we have this dichotomistic view. This food is good. That food is bad. No, it's not. If food brings you a certain amount of pleasure and you can fit it in and you're getting the nutrients from other areas, why not eat the peanut M&Ms? Life is so much better with the peanut M&Ms, right? So there's a relationship to food that I think it's important for people to, to focus on. I remember one of the uh, times it shifted for me. See, when I was a little kid, I was a small kid and I didn't realize this until I was later uh, on in life where it, I had this negative association to certain foods uh, because of the way my grandfather treated me. And this idea that, uh, oh, you shouldn't eat treats and you shouldn't eat sweets. And I mean, he just drilled these things into my head because, oh, you're a small kid and you need to eat this and you need to eat more vegetables. So I grew up hating vegetables and I grew up just almost with this, well, fuck you mentality. And so I would go on these binges of eating treats for the longest time, even as a grown adult. And I had no idea why I was doing it until I woke up one day and said, Oh, that's why. And I just, I enjoy the treats. Don't get me wrong, but I don't go on these massive binges like I used to because of that. So walk our listeners through some of the things that you did to develop a better relationship with food. I think the biggest thing too, here's what I think about like emotions and food and what 
what's like the appropriate emotion to have towards food. You know what I mean? I think the biggest thing is coming up with some kind of system and some kind of understanding so that there aren't all of these negative shame, stress-based emotions connected. With yes. Food. Yeah. Um, because Agreed. like, honestly, the goal, like, honestly, food, I would say I have a, a positive relationship with food, but like, also I just don't think about it that much. Like ultimately the whole goal of understanding food. And I feel like I've been successful as a coach. If I take someone through the program and they get to the end of it going, eating is not a big deal and doesn't stress me out anymore. And I just, I know what I need to do. I know how to enjoy treats when it's an appropriate time to enjoy a treat, but overall I don't stress about it and I don't think about it, but you know what, until you understand it, you will absolutely stress about it and absolutely think yep. about it, especially if it's affecting your health and it's affecting your energy, your self image. Like you could have the most positive mindset in the whole world, but if you're an executive leading a company and you are 50 pounds overweight, that's going to affect your self-image and it should, you know, especially if you're someone who yeah, like absolutely leadership and really embodying leadership and leading your company mm -hmm. through example, it's, it's going to be on your mind. And so, you know, my goal with people isn't to make them like happily obsess over food and like, feel like they're connected to food in some weird way, but like, ultimately you, you just need to learn how it works so that you can learn how to eat in a balanced way make it to your goals and then move on with your life and live life in an optimized body and enjoy it. Like enjoying life and being able to navigate crazy work weeks. That's the goal. The goal isn't to like be obsessed with food. So yeah, that's my, well, it's like any other relationship, right? I mean, if you're obsessed with the other person, it's probably not a healthy relationship. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a, uh, a relationship that the <laughs> other person wants to get out of, right? Yeah. The codependency or maybe even stalkerish. Uh, and I think some people have a stalker type relationship or a codependent relationship with food. And I, I love what you said earlier, uh, in the episode, Molly, where you said, Hey, I had to learn about food. And when you learn about another person, you learn about, uh, what makes them tick and uh, what are what's going on on the inside of them, you tend to love that person, you tend to have empathy for that person. And I think you develop that relationship with food when you learn more about it. But I also love absolutely love what you were saying uh, just a second ago, that when you have this um, healthy relationship, it's almost like you just don't think about it. It's like all the great friendships that you have in life, you don't really think about it. It's there. You laugh, you joke, you have a great time. But it's not like you don't sit there and say, Well, where's my relationship with this person, right? It's just comfortable. It's good. And in order to get to that state with food, people have to go through this learning process, they've got to figure out a system that works for them. So it's beautiful. And science shows that you make more changes and you make more lasting changes, longer evolution, as we call it, through compassion and through self-compassion than you do with beating yourself up over things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost so, like we're talking about thinking critically about food to bring this full circle. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> Talk about Molly, you, uh, you've referenced several of your clients and how you help them because they're busy. And I agree, if you are a leader, and you are 50 pounds overweight, whether you want to admit it or not, people are not going to listen to you the same. The CEO that is 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, people are looking at him or her and saying, if you can't discipline yourself, how are you going to discipline and hold the rest of us accountable to some of these other basic metrics in life, right? 
Um, how you do anything is how you'll do everything. Walk us through what you do from a process standpoint to get that CEO to wake up to that fact and start to move in the right direction. So one thing I would say is that I end up working with people when they are already at that realization. That's when I talk mm. to them. So honestly, got you. So they come to you, they're ready. They're ready. just done. O open yep. to doing it a new way and ready to invest in that. If I'm having to convince someone that this is a, should be a priority thing or something that they should, you know, be paying attention to less likely that I would be working with that person. Now, here's something I will say. A lot of times people will come to me saying, I need more willpower and I need motivation. And then I'll ask them why. And they'll give me an example of some time when they've fallen mm. off the wagon. So like they did keto yeah. for three weeks and then there was like some work event and there was food, you know, carbs there and there was cake and they ate it and they fell off the wagon and they spiraled out of control. They go, I need more motivation and more willpower. No, you don't. Yep. You need a not the case. You need a strategy that works with your lifestyle because your lifestyle is not going to change. Mm -hmm. Your marathon work weeks aren't going to go away. Your travel is not going to go away. The airport food courts and all the vending machines and all the hotel mini bars are still going to be there. So if you don't start with your lifestyle first, whatever strategy you use is not going to work. So most of the time, I'm able to to help people see that like. If you're someone who is willing to change and wanting to change and ready to do it, it's not willpower and motivation. And also if you're an executive and you're a leader and you're running a, a business, you probably have a lot of motivation. You're probably a really driven person. It's probably just logically, yeah. it means you probably just haven't come across the right way to do it yet. And that's what I show people. Mm -hmm. One thing I'll also say, kind of going back to like my early twenties and just, and entering into the gym environment and what I saw and what changed the way that I coach is seeing all of these driven, successful, I mean, the parking lot was, it was, you know, exotic cars and G wagons. And like these, these people had made it. It was one of those gyms. Yeah. And, and again, watching these people show up day after day, week after week, regularly working out and honestly, like not really changing the way they looked. I saw so many people show up regularly with in-person trainers looking the same with trainers that made them feel good, gave them high fives were really encouraging. And these guys would sweat with their workouts. It's not like they were being lazy, but like, I remember seeing over and over, I was like, these people are being essentially held to be accountable with treading water. But like, this is not yeah. just, again, <laughs> it's a great way to describe like, it. This is not cutting it. And honestly, I mean, I love that. First of all, the way I think what people unfortunately don't understand is just like with food, there are targets to hit and there is a strategic way to set it up. Workouts are that way too. And unfortunately, mm. most in-person trainers are there to keep clients showing up. And so they'll kind of give them variety. They give them good feelings. They're usually going to be really positive and encouraging people. So people show up to those workouts feeling good. But honestly, workouts and your workout structure should be pretty predictable. Shouldn't be random yeah. at time. It shouldn't be about the excitement yeah. of something new every time you show up to the gym. You should actually know your workout structure for like the next couple months. Um, because the yeah. way our body responds to fitness, if you're wanting to see quick, predictable changes, a good workout routine is very regular. Um, so yeah, progressive overload and periodization, those are two things 
that make workouts essentially very organized and very predictable. Um, periodization more has to do with like the macro structure of workouts. And you should be following one routine for like four weeks and then shift into a different mode and follow that routine for four weeks. But overall, again, without getting like too super detailed on stuff, overall, it should be very predictable and very organized. And so if you think about it like that, maybe someone wants to hire an in-person trainer, but ultimately that it shouldn't be for like excitement and something new every single time. And unfortunately that can keep people treading water for years and they don't even realize it. The other thing that I noticed was that there was so much emphasis put on in-person training and workouts. And especially with what I experienced going through it, food is 75% of getting into great shape. Like if your diet mm -hmm. is not dialed in, let me put it this way. If someone's wanting to lose weight and tone up, you should be seeing weight fall off and body fat lost through your diet alone without workouts. Yep. Even If you're not getting results from your diet alone, then you're missing 75% of the progress you could be making. So if you're trying to use just workouts to get into shape, you're going to have to, I mean, you're swimming upstream. You're going to have to work way harder and you probably won't even reach your goals. Um, so yeah. yeah go ask a person. I mean, there's two people in the gym, right? You go ask them. You, you see the people that look exactly the same, the, the people that you're talking about that are being held accountable to treading water and they never change. And you say, what are you doing? And they got the same patterns. Maybe they binge at night. Maybe they binge on the weekend, whatever it is, same patterns. That's why they don't change. You find that guy that, or that girl that's changing and you walk up to him, you watch him for a month or so. You go, what are you doing? Well, they're there every day, like everybody else. And they will tell you exactly what you're saying. If I changed my nutrition, Mm -hmm. because it, it doesn't change if you're not, if the nutrition doesn't change. Right. Your body needs the raw materials to either put on lean muscle, which is a positive transformation for people yep. or lose body fat, which is also positive for people. Um, typically people are going to be in one of either wanting to lose body fat or gain lean muscle or both. And that's what creates the toned lean fit look that people like. Um, the other thing that I noticed with in gym personal trainers, like essentially creating problems for people is that those people would leave the gym. And if you think about where someone's going to fall off the wagon, it's not going to be in the gym. So people feel like mm -hmm. trainers, like hold them accountable to things and like give them support and accountability. But it's really like after you have already held yourself accountable to getting to the gym, nothing's going to happen in yep. the, four walls of the gym. It's going to be when you're traveling, when you're at home in your kitchen at night, like that's where you fall off the wagon. So uh, yeah, I remember like getting into the coaching side of things. I was like, the in-person model does not work, especially not for business owners and executives and anyone who's going to be traveling a lot. And again, the nutrition. Yep. So I think just seeing that, seeing the, the errors in the in-person training model and where the gaps were, um, really made a big impact on me. And, and ultimately also ended up with mentors who had a really solid model for doing the online coaching model, you know, um, for executives and business owners and stuff like that. So I was able to, to, um, really get behind that. You know, that was something that I could believe in because it was more holistic support. It made sense. It was flexible. It travels with, you know, with people who travel. And again, I can give people the 75% of it. That is nutrition. That's going to create such a, a, a bigger impact than just workouts. So 
Well, there's a plan, as you're talking about before, there's a periodization and for, for business owners, they understand this concept of I've got to create a strategic plan. And so what's my, what's my, uh, you know, multi-year plan, what's my annual plan, what's my quarterly plan, they plan on a regular basis, this is the creation that happens in business ongoing. Um, workouts are the same. I mean, I'm like you're talking about, I've got my periodization cycles set out for a year in advance, I know what those are going to look like. And I know my body now every probably three, two to three, but usually about three, maybe four weeks, depending on which cycle that I'm in. Uh, I've got to change up something in what I'm doing because, and that's just because I've been doing this for so long that my body adapts fairly quickly to something. And so I've got to change some sort of stimulus, but yeah, I know what my workouts, I mean, my workout this week is the exact same as it was five weeks ago, but yeah. there's different iterations. There are different pieces to that because I'm trying to get stronger. So I think business owners can really resonate a lot with what you're talking about. And I, I love this idea of the online coaching model. I think it's a phenomenal way to help people who are, who are very busy to get in the best shape of their life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Molly, we're coming up on our time and I want to run through, make sure we've got a little bit of time to run through our rapid fire. So typically what we do here is uh, we've got some rapid fire questions we're going to hit you with. Um, the only rule of the rapid fire is you've got to give us an answer that's either one word or one sentence to the rapid fire. You ready to get going? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? Discomfort. If something's scared, Ooh, great answer. I'm, I'm already going, going to long. Wait, what was that? What was that? What was that? Discomfort. No, you can do, you can do one word or one sentence. So oh, you did a word every, now throw a sentence okay. in there. Eating, eating disorders, learning about relationships. I'm a, a divorced single mom. Right. And I am great. I'm just grateful for every time, whether it's business relationships, eating disorders, you name it. Anytime I come up on some uncomfortable period, I know that I have to do that uncomfortable thing in order to grow and become better. Now at this point, I'm like, oh, I'm like, bring beautiful. it on. Let's go. <laughs> Don't run away. Um, as you've evolved over the years, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer believe? Uh, being perfect makes you your best. Being perfect is like mm, the great answer. Do and it's not. Uh, yeah. Think smarter, not harder is definitely the way to your best self. It's way more than one sentence. Okay. So we all know personal evolution can be sometimes painful. How do you find enjoyment in the process? I mean, going, going back to what I said, any time you're going to grow, it requires you to change and change is hard and it's scary. So, but yeah. Love it. And, and I have one last question. So you're getting ready to leave the planet. You can only take one food. You're never coming back. What are you taking? Whipped cream. Ooh. Whipped cream? Oh, you can never go wrong with whipped cream. That's true. Oh, whipped cream 100%. goes with everything. Yeah. I think I like to drink coffee. I'm with you. False. I don't care about coffee, but it's a, it's a vehicle for whipped cream. If you don't put yeah. whipped cream, and I mean like extra whip on your coffee, then you are missing out. It's not about the coffee. Well, I have everything, you know, strawberries, uh, ice cream, like you name it, whipped cream goes on everything. That's awesome. <laughs> I heard that. 
Well, Molly, final question for you. And this isn't part of the rapid fire, but uh, so take your time on this one. At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. So what is the most important habit that you want our listeners to build on? Mm. I would say, oh boy. I mean, overall, like fitness and nutrition strategy wise, like the biggest mistake people make that they shouldn't make is like, you have to start with you. You can't like, do not follow some cookie cutter meal plan. Don't follow some cookie cutter fitness routine. Yeah. I mean, the best thing is for people to invest in learning about themselves and starting with themselves and learning again. I mean, gosh, we could dive into it more, but yeah high ROI shifts to make so that you are working smarter, not harder. Don't get into micromanaging. Don't pay for a coach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. effort. Let me say yeah, this. Pay for a coach. Strategy beats and high achievers need to know this strategy beats effort. Every time someone could be way yep. more out of shape than you, but if they get their hands on a better strategy than what you have, all your effort in the world won't, they, they will beat you. They will eventually pass you up. So look for yep. strategy, not effort. Great answer. And go hire a coach. I mean, that's the thing that I, there's so many great coaches out there. Obviously, you're a phenomenal coach for uh, executives, phenomenal coach for people who are very busy. It's so worth it. I've never regretted any coaching that I've paid for. Like, absolutely never. And I've been coached by some of the best in the world. I've been coached by Mr. Olympias, by natural Mr. Olympias. I've been coached by literally some of the best people in the world. I've never regretted any dollar that I've spent on myself. So I absolutely agree with you. Learn about yourself. Learn your way of doing it, right? Can I say one more thing? If well, we're going to go looking for a coach. Yeah. Last, last thing. Yeah. Because we live in the yeah. world of social media and Instagram. Don't look for a Oh, yes. Model. Yes, yes. Look for a coach. If the coach is also a fitness model, cool. Maybe they they walk the talk and that's great. Look for a coach that's experienced working with the kind of person that you are. Look for a coach that has mm. proof of transforming people that live the lifestyle that you live. That's the kind of help you need. Not some coach that yep, is- Yep, I'm glad you brought that up. So great. That's, and that's really all you need to know because you're not going to know the whole process. You just need to know that you trust the coach. They're a true expert and they've helped people like you. And then go invest in whatever that coach is. If you can find someone like that, invest in them. Yeah, you brought that up the other day when we talked. I'm so glad you remembered that because there are so many fitness influencers out there that really have no idea what they're doing. And uh, so, yeah, do your homework on the on a coach. Uh, obviously, Molly's a great one. So uh, we, we want you to reach out to her. Uh, well, and on that note, folks, it is time to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, Molly Makes Muscles on Instagram. Molly Van Mar, thanks again for joining us. Uh, and I want to thank my co-host. I'll correct you just in case it steers people in the wrong direction. Molly makes muscle. No S. Oh, muscle. I apologize. Yes. <laughs> Molly makes muscle. Yeah. Not multiple. She just makes one muscle. Thank you. Uh, and I want to thank my co-host W. Miles Riley. Uh, Molly, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you and to follow your growth and evolution? All the great things that you do. Uh, got mollymakesmuscle.com or um, lots of ways to reach out to me on there. Or yeah, Molly Makes Muscle Instagram and can send me a message on there too. She is everywhere. I think I found you on LinkedIn. You popped up, an ad popped up on LinkedIn and we connected there as well. Yeah. So, oh gosh, uh, LinkedIn, definitely connect. Yeah, for any executives or business owners, LinkedIn is my favorite platform. So definitely 
Yeah, Molly Van Marth, V-A-N-M-A-A-R-T-H. Awesome. Yeah. Great, great stuff that you post. Uh, I, I really like the content that you've been putting out there. I love the fact that you are uh, connecting with executives. I think that's an important space for us. And uh, we want to thank our guests for listening to this episode. Remember, folks, that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.